I'm Sean Connery. I'm here to read you a little poem before the Atlantic 10 tournament. Twas the night before Athens when all through the east, not a fan was stirring, not even the least. The duffel bags were packed by the front door with care, in hopes that the Barclays, they soon would be there. The fans were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of bid-stealing danced in their heads. An old wool pack shirt and a brown Bonnie's cap, I just settled down for a late winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I checked my phone to see what was the matter. Nothing was trending on Twitter at all, so I got my ass up and walked down the hall. I knew who it was when I walked forth. It was St. Nicholson, here from the north. More rapid than flyers, his scorers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Adams, now Bremer, now Lanier and Mobley, on Conger, on Stiff, on Timwin and Posley, to the top of the Barclays, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. He sprang to his sleigh and joined his team, and away they all flew like a VCU at-large dream. But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Happy A-10s to all, and to all a good night. Espy Unfurled and Friends, Episode 8. You'll rue the day you crossed me, St. Louis. Welcome to SB Unfurled and Friends, Episode 8, and it's the second part of our A-10 Tournament Spectacular. It's Bonna Commenter here with SB Unfurled. You ready to give these people another dose of A-10 coverage for the tournament? Yeah, of course, man. Hopefully hopefully people are on their way to Brooklyn or uh, you know, maybe already in Brooklyn, and we can give them something to listen to. I, I think a lot of different people are doing A-10-wide podcasts, so we, we wanted to give Bonna fans one of those... Uh, you know, talk to other programs, representatives from other teams about their team, but also about Bonaventure. So hopefully, hopefully people are uh, on their way to Brooklyn. If you're going down, driving down to Brooklyn, where's, where's a place you really like to stop? Because I mean, I'm a sheets guy, but there's not really many sheets on that strip, maybe in Pennsylvania a little bit, but that's almost kind of that border where sheets stop. So where do you like stopping? I think, isn't there a Wegmans in Binghamton? Yes. Yes. That's a good one. That's the stop. That's the stop for me. If I stop at all. Yeah, it's not quite a halfway point, but it's it's yeah. close enough. And yeah. there's a good sheets in Scranton. I do remember that. There's That's one spot to stop. West End Stench is back here with us for episode two of the Tournament Spectacular. So you're on the road actually right now. I don't know where exactly you're going to and from, but if you're driving in between Olean and uh, New York City, what are you hitting up? I'm a sucker for chain restaurants. So I'm, I'm looking for the nearest Cracker Barrel, fellas. Ooh. <laughs> best biscuits, best pancakes. Can't beat that. It takes too long, though. I want to be, like, in and out. I want fast food, though. That's fair. To be honest, it's been a little while since I made the Olean to to New York City drive. I'm usually driving uh, from the eastern shore up up to New York. And if that's the case, I usually just stop at one of those travel plazas that you can 
jump right on into and, and, and grab a Starbucks or whatever and get back on the road. Cool. Good stuff. So now that you're finally arriving in New York City, we're looking at our matchups. Uh, we're As we're recording right now, we don't know who's going to win the pillow fight between Mason and George Mason and St. Joe's. So I'm leaning towards wanting St. Joe's to win this one because we've dominated them for three fourths of the games that we played them in. Mason's been a lot tougher to beat for us and they're more talented. So I'm definitely rooting for St. Joe's in the uh, pillow fight opener. Yeah, I am too. And I watched uh, both of those pillow fight games if you can call them that even though they're not technically the tournament um i love them saturday we had uh all all four of them were in action and i mean mason ended up beating what fordham right and uh right. and i watched st joe's too and daily looked like he was kind of banged up still i feel like he's been banged up the whole like season he even got a little bit of an injury in the riley center played through it but and then he got injured in our game in on hawk hill uh, like rolled his ankle, might have got a tooth knocked out or something. It seems like he's just he's yeah. just on his uh, on his last whim here. And I agree with you, man. St. Joe's is a much better matchup than Mason. I'm with both of you. That daily kid though is must watch, must see TV. I mean, he came out of that game against <laughs> yeah. us. He came out of that game against us with like a knee injury, and they zoomed in on his knee, and it looked like he had like three or four kneecaps for some reason. Oh God! And then he came yep. back into the game, and uh, he looked like he was as chipper as ever but like, he's a fun player to watch and i just for the sake of that i hope we draw them yeah so it looks like we probably will end up with george mason just based on how the two teams have played basically most of the year so if we do play mason what are you guys most concerned about remember when mason started 11 and 1 <laughs> oh that was a fun time that was before <laughs> coronavirus even existed yeah. so maybe that maybe those are linked too since we we <laughs> love having coronavirus speculation by the way if i see any of you shaking hands or high-fiving at the A-10 tournament, I will be contacting the CDC <laughs> and Bernadette McGlade. <laughs> but anyways, about Mason. Yeah, they, they started out 11-1, and one and they, they're now 16-15. and 15. They got a couple good players. Uh, it's always nice to be able to beat a team three times in one year. I don't know how many times we've we've done that they worry me a little bit that Javon Green's a pretty good player Jordan Miller they got they got a few good players on uh, Mason but Schmidt has Paulson's number at this point so while I would rather play St. Joe's Mason doesn't doesn't scare me too much yeah not a whole I'm not a lot concerned with with what Mason could do to us as you pointed out Schmidt um, just has Paulson's number and if they're if they're coming in and having played less than 24 hours before playing us then that's even better for us. And like I said, I expect us to go in there and beat whoever's put in front of us. Yeah. So we're going to get back to our interviews with all of the A10 programs that we could. You just heard plenty of them in episode one of our A10 Spectacular. Let's start off with who we might play on Saturday, St. Louis, and check back in with Zach Miller from the House That Rick Built podcast. He told us a really funny story about his trip to the A10 championship last year. Even though we did lose that game, I think you're going to enjoy this story. Here you go. Our two teams are facing off. You made the drive actually out from St. Louis. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I watched the entire tournament in my apartment, uh, pacing back and forth furiously while uh, downing at least a six-pack of beer a night. 
uh, maybe more, not and, and and not a single buzz was put on because of the adrenaline. I was <laughs> like, seriously, I did not get drunk at all. Um, and uh, so Saturday, I'm looking at flights all day just in case, you know. Uh, and I send out a tweet to Ross Chaffetz, who's the son of uh, Dr. Rich Chaffetz, who uh, has his name on the arena. Uh, I fire off a tweet, just joking around. Hey, uh, send the private jet after after we beat. Uh, I believe it was uh, Davidson. Yeah, think, uh, yeah, yeah. After we beat Davidson, I, I, sent, I fired off a tweet like, "Hey, send the private jet," because the flights had been sold out. And uh, I, uh, a friend of mine who I met over the years going to Billiken games, Bo Pamatod, and his wife. Uh, well, he messages me on Facebook. He's like, "Hey, man, you want to go to Brooklyn?" Uh, and I go, "Are you serious?" He goes, "Yeah, we're at uh, this mall right now." I said, "Give me thirty minutes." Oh, wow! So I had I had washed all my Billiken gear like during that day like saturday morning so i go grab it all out of the dryer throw it into a duffel bag grab like i had i i didn't have an ice maker so i i, I uh reused those gallon or those liter bottles of water like the ice mountain or whatever uh <laughs> and i just kept Dr. Thunder. <laughs> yes keep re uh reusing the water bottle so i packed like four of them in in a cooler no ice or whatever just threw all that in the back of their van uh, we drove over to Alton, Illinois, got some stuff of theirs, and we went, and on we went at about, we left at about 7, rolled into Brooklyn at about, actually we rolled into Bumfuck, New Jersey at about 10, uh, found a, a motel to change and shower at, uh, rolled into downtown, I guess downtown Brooklyn, I don't know how you even refer to it, but uh, hit, hit a ton of traffic because I think it was St. Patty's Day. Um Rolled in. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day morning, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. true. We went to uh, that bar, and half of it was a slew uh, party, and half of it was a the upstairs was a uh, was a Bonaventure party, actually. McMahon's. Yeah, yeah. so that was kind of weird. Um, and I, of course, was drinking and yelling shit at people. So um, anyway, so yeah, uh, th- throughout the trip, we had kind of I had been on Twitter with the with the podcast account and my own account, and kind of. Uh, given updates and uh, the there's a, uh, actually the marketing department heard about our story. Uh, they wanted they did a, an interview with us, and then the alumni relations found out we didn't have tickets to the game. So the alumni relations comped our tickets uh, for the five of us. It was me, Bo, his wife, and uh, and their two daughters. I'm 30, by the way. That's not weird that I'm like hanging out with. Like a uh, no, two, no, two married people and their daughter. Like that's not okay. I just want to just want to clear that up. Because um, <laughs> every time I tell that story, I forget to give that sort of uh, that sort of background. But um, dude, I'm telling you what, I got maybe three hours of sleep, and my emotions were just all over the place. I didn't. I could not. I kept tearing up for no reason at all. <laughs> like we had the game hadn't even fucking started yet i'm getting my picture with the billiken because like and and that's not even something i would that's not even something i normally do like i don't care enough (laughs) like i don't care for pictures with the i don't like but it's brooklyn and i'm at the atlantic 10 tournament so right we started off slow and whatever and i actually fired off a tweet at halftime i said you know uh a couple of things didn't go right for us we're down whatever nine or eight and uh, i think we, we still we're still in this and uh we ended up uh Obviously, you guys know the rest. Uh, so I'm standing there. I go down, and uh, somehow I get a hold of a of a championship T-shirt, 
way. Yeah, I'm standing. Well, I have, so, nice. I have, yeah, I, I, I have friends. Yeah. Anyway, you got a lot of friends. You know the guy who owns the or is named after the arena. Yeah. Basically. I, I mean, we be, we become kind of buddies through Twitter and uh, at games and stuff. So we we kind of chat here and there, but. I get a hold. I get a hold of that, and I'm uh, I'm I'm standing on the rail at about half court, and uh, a guy who is a is a big fan and a uh, big booster, and he hands me an all access pass, right? And I go, he goes, go on the court. I go, dude, the athletic director will literally kill me. <laughs> I'm like, the athletic director will fucking kill me. He goes, dude, go on the court. So like, I stand there, and uh, after a while, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. So I go out on the court. Uh, I'm taking video, co- just content for the uh, for the podcast, Twitter, and all this stuff. And uh, I'm standing there. I see the trophy just sitting on the table, and nobody's around it. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna take a picture with it. So I uh, I picked it up, took a picture with it, and uh, and then one of the coaches was like, uh, I had on a medium uh, championship shirt, and he goes, Hey, will you trade me for this XL or whatever? I go, Of course, I'll trade you for the XL. I, I'm not even supposed to have this shirt. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we, uh, after, after the game, we, uh, we stayed as long as we could. I swear to God. Yeah. I would, if I were you, (laughs) let's stay for the six o'clock show. If I were you. (laughs) Yeah, no. So we, we got in the car and we drove into, um, into times square and, uh, got us a slice and a hot dog and. Man, that is so Midwestern. You guys got pizza in Times Square. Yeah, I had to, man. Oh my God. Dude, I was there for like a half hour. I had to do something. You should have just gotten gone all the way and gone to Olive Garden and gotten breadsticks. No, we went to Sabaro. No, Square. you didn't let me finish. We went to Sabaro. Oh, Mike Scott from the office says that's the uh, best pizza place in uh, New York, and it most definitely is. <laughs> I gotta say that whole story though about Brooklyn. I, as happy as that made me hear it, like almost a year later, if you had told me that probably the Monday or Tuesday after the game, I would have been furious at you for like twelve different reasons. <laughs> and and oh my god, were you were you there where the that's that stupid picture that that's burned in my memory, the stupid picture of the Billkin and um, Travis Ford on the dog pile at the end of the game. Were you around there? Or were you still up in the stands? Uh, at that point? I was up in the stands at that point. Hey guys, can you hold on one second? I gotta go get my Atlantic Ten Championship hat and put it on. No, oh. this guy bought a hat. No, nah. I'm surprised you weren't already wearing that. I, I figured you might be. Uh, I didn't I buy the hat, buddy. I didn't buy the hat. Where'd you get it? I can't. I can't divulge that. This is a billion years of tiger DNA, just ready to pounce. <gasps> and if you got the wrong home insurance coverage, you could be coughing up the cash for this. So get all state and be better protected from mayhem, like meow. Next up on our A10 tournament bonanza is Ryan Paleo. He is the GW superfan to end all superfans on A10 Twitter. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, no problem. It's my pleasure. So, GW, we thought GW was having a pretty good season, but you guys backed into the pillow fight. Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, you know what happens. You know, a couple bounces don't go away. We, you know, we lost like six, seven close games this season. Uh, a couple shots go down, and, you know, we're. Playing an eight-nine game, maybe so. You know, it's uh, unlucky. It's, it's part of sports. Is that really mayhem, man? Like that doesn't sound like very much mayhem if you're going to be playing at the 11 seed. Well, I mean, you know, mayhem did its part. You know, the refs, the refs, uh, you know, clearly hate mayhem. There are some situations <laughs> I think in, uh, in which we uh, we were robbed a little bit, but you know, we did we did our part. It's, you know, luck maybe didn't have it that way this season, but it's not over yet. I think real mayhem is losing to Fordham twice and yet leading Dayton on the road in the second half. Like, 
what the hell, man? Well, that's what it is, you know. You know, you know we, some call us the Robin Hood of the A10. You know, we'll beat some. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll you know, run up the score on some of the better teams, and then we'll gift Fordham their uh, two wins by choice because that's you know what it is. You know, we're a nice team. Uh, Jamie on Christian is a very nice guy. He wants to give the seniors on Fordham something to remember, and two wins, I guess, is a pretty good thing to do that with. You know, GW is like the best academic school probably in the A10. You guys do a lot. You're a global university. So really, you're just doing outreach. Like you're basically like you're basically like UNICEF in the A10, right? Yeah, pretty much. You know, I mean, uh, one, one of our important things as freshmen is uh, doing our freshman day of service. You know, perhaps some of the kids <laughs> on the basketball team missed that day of service. So I guess they had to make up for it by doing two days versus Fordham. So, yeah, uh, yeah so it's maybe this is what happens. You know, very nice people here. Love to help others out. And that's what we did versus Fordham. Hey, uh, Bana commenter, in your preview for GW, didn't you say that Bana's bio program is actually keeping GW's med school afloat? Yeah, that's true. We have the we have what's called the GW program here, where basically if you come to Bana's for and get your degree, your undergrad degree, you get automatically accepted into GW's med school. So basically, you're welcome for keeping your med school alive because we're basically just teaching your med students how to be doctors with our our vastly superior medical system in Olean. Oh, you know, you know, I, I, I have to be especially appreciative of that because, you know, they're the ones who gave me my eight stitches two weeks ago. So uh, <laughs> thanks a lot for that, I guess. I mean, what I, happened there? You know, one, one thing led to another, you know, taking a quick nap, fall out of my bed, and that's the way she goes. The nap? Is that is that what we're sticking to? No, it was. Yeah, it was. I'm serious. I came back from the gym one day, you know, I have to keep up my fitness so I can, you know, scream at the TV whenever uh, a ref messes up a call. So come back, take a nap, mattress pads fall off the bed, and we, and we love the beds here at GW. And, you were on the oh. top bunk? It's not bunk. It's just I have, I have like, cabinets underneath my bed. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, it was an unfortunate circumstance that led to me falling off. Damn, that's rough, room. man. That it was. And I, was the, I was at the hospital until 3 in the morning because it took them, like, four hours to do it. It was, it was preposterous. Oh, oh man, I can't believe that. And you know what? You were just trying to look fit and you were trying to bring the mayhem to impress the ladies, I'm guessing, right? Well, you know, well, I mean, some people don't have to impress anybody. That's just what it is. <laughs> Not when you're at GW, right? No. Let's say you get by Fordham for the, what, would that be the first time this year? You would face a <laughs> yeah, team. Yeah, third time's a charm, man. You would face a team that you did beat in Duquesne. Mm-hmm. Uh, a team that we, we don't really like. Honestly, can can you tell us oh, that GW is good enough to give Duquesne the mayhem again and get to Friday to face Rody? I mean, I'm not on the team, so I can't control that. But what I'm saying is, I mean, you know, Fordham, easy win. You know, this time we're going to start taking it seriously, so that should be fine. And then Duquesne, well, I mean, everyone was bored that day, so they so they just, so they chose to extend the game an extra four overtimes. So huh. I, I think this time we should just do it in, one, do it in normal normal uh, game time. So <laughs> That was the four overtimes. So, are you actually going to be heading up to um, to the Barclays Center, or is that kind of out of the plan? Well, I actually was going to go if we were playing on Thursday, and not Wednesday, because like some experience thing would like allow me to like like they, like they had a room to take up like twenty people, and they and like I would have gone with them, but I'm not sure if I'm going to go for a Wednesday game. Oh, come on, the pillow fight! Come on, the pillow fight's got to be awesome to be man. see in person. You're gonna have the whole arena to yourself, man. I'd be nice, but you know, there's not really a lot of people there to, for me to get angry at or. You know, experience my mayhem firsthand, so I, I don't really think it's worth my time to go up there and scream in front of three three kids and their parents. You know, <laughs> and Matt Martucci, Matt Martucci's going to be calling the game. Like you got to show, you got to bring the the uh, mayhem to Tooch. I mean, I don't even know who that is, but sounds like he's learning mayhem. <laughs> he calls the games on Stadium, man. Oh, I, I don't have Stadium. I just have ESPN Plus. So I oh I, I just realized I can't, I can't watch the game now. 
<laughs> no, it's on ESPN Plus. But... Oh, it is? <laughs> yeah, man, your game's on ESPN Plus. Thank God. I was, I, I was about to lose it. <laughs> Stadium is for free, by the way. You can just go on their website. Like, no no subscription or anything. We beat your ass by, like, 20 on Stadium at, up in the Riley Center. Oh, yeah, I don't watch that one because I, 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 I thought I had to pay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, either way, you can now watch this game because Perfect. it's uh three. It's a. I think you guys play at three thirty. So um, I don't know if you got class or if you're just going to be, you know, back in the gym getting hitting the strengthening your mayhem uh, workout regimen. You know, I'll watch it. I guess even though it's probably not worth my time because it's Fordham, but whatever. Yeah, well, that's what you would have said the first two times, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I, I watched both those games and we lost. So I feel like if, if we don't watch, if I don't watch, then we'll probably win. That's actually smart. You should head up for Thursday, man. It's a good time at A10s. I will see what I can do. Hey, A10s yeah. are going to be in D.C. in two years, man. Ugh. We'll bring the mayhem Uh-oh. to you. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think the future of mayhem is bright. Yeah. That's my, that's my feeling. Yeah, GW has some good pieces, man. They're going to be good. Yeah. If not next year, maybe the year after, there's, they'll, be, they'll be really good. Yeah, but we're talking to the most important piece, Ryan Paleo. Yeah. Of course. I mean, all I'm saying is, I get here and, and we and we uh, outperform what we thought we were going to do. So, like, what, what does that say about me? No, I I agree, man. I, the mayhem has been brought, and mm. I'm glad we only have to face you once because the mayhem we um we almost lost to the mayhem to open the A10 play. Yeah, yeah, told you, close games. You know, next, you know, one more year experience for J- for Jameer and Jameson, and it's over with for everybody. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Ryan Paleo. Again, if you want to follow him, Ryan, what's your Twitter handle again? Ryan Paleo 3. Yeah, you got to follow him if you want some nice mayhem. And by the way, if you're a St. Louis hater, which is what really won me over with him. Yeah, first, yeah, you got it. You're on, you're in friendly territory to talk about St. Louis hatred because we just lost them on Saturday and they not, they beat us in the final last year. So we're not going to stop you. Go ahead. Just give me one final minute about your hatred for St. Louis. Look, well, you know, they're they're the first people to be be mean to me on Twitter. So, you know, of course, I'm not going to like them, you know. Yeah, no, it's toxic. Like I'll say one, I'll say one thing that's hilarious, and these people just like don't get a joke. It's 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 preposterous. All right, well, Ryan Paleo, thanks again for joining us. Ryan Paleo three on Twitter. Go ahead, follow him. He's a great follow. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, man. Next up here is a representative from not really just Dayton, but really conference-wide. It is Tyler from the 3-Bid League podcast. We already have one other Dayton fan, Sully, from Blackburn Review on. So you're kind of more of somebody who's going to give us a little bit of a conference-wide perspective. So thank you for joining us, Ty. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. You guys have been putting together some great and hilarious work on this pod the last few weeks. (laughs) It's this the the podcast... uh, a10, the A10 podcast wars of 2020 aren't really wars. It's, it's, it's kind of feeding off each other. You know, you guys do some great work on diff- different topics. We try to bring more levity and fun to all of it. So we like what you guys are doing here. So we weren't able to find a Fordham fan surprise. Um, I saw one on Twitter actually on Saturday, which I'm surprised you're still tweeting about Fordham basketball <laughs> uh, in March. But hey, you do you. So quickly on Fordham, what do you think about Fordham as they, uh, you know, round out the season? So they're actually playing GW, and that's where they have a chance because that's both of their wins this season. Uh, They're 0-16 against the rest of the conference, and, you know, basically a quick rundown for if any Bona fans kind of stumble upon this game on Wednesday afternoon. Fantastic defense, completely unwatchable offense. And I really realized a few weeks ago that Fordham has basically the same exact offensive philosophy as the Bonnies, but just with way less talent. 
where they let their point guard Josh Cologne try to be a playmaker early on and feed guys like Jalen Cobb and Antoine Portley and just really hope that one of those guys gets hot because if not, their offense is terrible. And then when it gets to the end of the game, they let Cologne kind of take over. But the difference for them is, sadly, Cologne is not Kyle Lofton. So that kind of system really doesn't work for the Rams. So you got to watch the pillow fights. The pillow fights are always hilarious. Just just watch them. Even even the one that won't be playing us, because I mean, obviously we want we want to care about the other pillow fight, which gets us to the next team, St. Joe's. We played St. Joe's twice, just like we played Fordham twice, and and George Mason twice actually. So we played. Uh, all four, we played all four pillow fighters. Twice. And GW. Damn. <laughs> wow. Now, and I'm trying to see why we got the five seed there, but, um, <laughs> no, yeah. but with St. Joe's, we know about Ryan Daly and how good he is. What are you seeing at a St. Joe's that could, you know, possibly trip us up because other than Ryan Daly, nobody's really been a factor for them against us. So there's really two things that are going to lead to success for St. Joe's. Number one, Ryan Daly's going to get somewhere between 16 and 20 shots up in every single game, no matter what. If his makes are somewhere around five to seven, then the Bonnies will be in great shape, or George, or I guess George Mason on Wednesday. If those makes start to creep into the 10 to 12 range, that's when Saints offense, St. Joe's offense really starts flowing. You know, we, we've really only seen Ryan Daly get completely shut down once in conference play. That was by Duquesne, who had sincere carry just follow him around the whole game i i think he stalked him into the locker room when daily was trying to go to the bathroom at halftime <laughs> and that was really the best thing that worked was just having a stud defender really just try to wear him out the whole time but the other element to st joe's offense is their three-point shooting they are fourth in the country in three-point attempts but they are 324th in three-point percentage so they're going to take and miss a lot of threes. And basically the only way that starts to work is if a guy like Cameron Brown gets really hot. We saw that definitely last Wednesday when they came up to the Riley Center because they were they were just missing left and right. And it's it's not very um, rare for us to see teams jack up a bunch of threes because that's pretty much how you beat the Bonnies. That's, that's the secret there. But they are, they are not good at shooting threes. <laughs> yeah, you look at their upset against Davidson. The whole, they didn't have Daly in that game. Whole reason they won is their other four kind of high volume three point shooters combined to go nine for seventeen from deep, and it was the one night that the strategy really worked. I mean, the bracket just came out, obviously, uh, and VCU's going up against UMass. Uh, I feel like UMass is ending the year kind of kind of strong, a little bit. You know, they're the least experienced team in the A ten, but they're going up against VCU for the prize of getting Dayton on Friday. So, I mean, one team ending kind of strong, another team kind of limping into Brooklyn and VCU. Uh, how do you see that game going? Yeah, and we saw this game a few weeks ago, UMass beat VCU at home, and the Rams have just been so beat up by injuries, and one that people don't really talk about that could be a big difference in this game is not having their backup center, Corey Douglas, because that's the kind of guy that you really need to have against Trey Mitchell, just a, another big body who can slow him down and you know, I, I, I want to give the edge to UMass because of how well Mitchell's been playing, and he's such a matchup nightmare for so many teams. But I, I'm going to give the edge to VCU because I, I still trust their perimeter guys more than UMass. No matter how inconsistent they've been, you know they'll get some production from Bones Highland and Isaac Van. And, you know, you just you can't trust UMass's guards 
And I think we've learned that over the last few weeks. Who do you think Dayton wants to win that game? I, as a Dayton fan, I've been saying kind of the, the dream scenario is to play UMass because mm-hmm. it means Mitchell will have probably had a great first game. I, I just don't see him being able to carry them just completely and totally on back-to-back days just at, at such a young age and a guy who's never had to play a conference tournament again. I'm just not sure he can put up like a 22-10 and 10 on back-to-back nights. So with VCU, it seems like a lot more of their offense has come from their younger guys like Bones Highland lately. Do you think do you think that could be an issue for them in the you know the bright lights of Brooklyn once you get to tournament time, or do you think Bones can really uh you know carry them into Saturday because that's when we could possibly play VCU is Saturday? I think it's the opposite. I've been ranting on my own podcast for weeks now about how VCU has been at their best offensively when they just have a bunch of freshmen out there just playing with crazy energy. And I think you got guys like Bones and Keyshawn Curry and Hassan Ward who haven't played that bad of a minutes load this season. They should be well-rested and ready to go for a few games in a few days. And I, I think that those are the kind of guys that could really just catch momentum for VCU and carry them through two or three games if Bones is making the three ball. We've seen so often uh, a top seed get knocked off in these tournaments. It just happened last year with VCU. It seems like every year uh, the, the favorite going in gets knocked off, not only you know on Saturday or Sunday, but it, it happens on Friday quite a bit, um, to be honest. Uh, if I was to ask you as a Dayton fan, um, you can be biased with this answer or you can try to give an unbiased response. Uh, Dayton or the field, who are you taking? I'll take the Flyers here. I mean, they're just, they're so much better than anybody else. And I think they're actually going to be fired up for the Friday game because they've heard all the noise of the one seed constantly losing in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I was looking and it says they have like a 52% chance to win the, to win the title. So I'd probably have to agree with you. Although having said that, I wouldn't be completely shocked, I guess, if they, if they do end up getting picked off by someone, but uh, they've just looked uh, on a whole different level lately. Yeah, and I, I think if they end up losing, it's going to be on Saturday. And everyone's been talking about how St. Louis is the perfect Ooh. matchup for them, and they almost beat them twice. If I was if I was betting on this tournament, my favorite bet is actually the Bonnies at 30-1. to 1. I was looking for the odds there. I was trying to find the odds. And when you said the best chance of us or of Dayton – uh, losing is on Saturday. You uh, you made me a little excited there. I got a, a little <laughs> something happened for me. Got blood flow. Hasn't really happened like that since the uh, Super Bowl halftime show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> happened more recently than that. <laughs> well, no, but really, what do you think about the odds there? Like, like what you're saying, go on. Really, if you're looking at the odds here, there's four teams that you could potentially get value. Richmond's all the way down at 10 to 1, which is nuts because they are the second best team in this conference right now. <laughs> But other than that, the four through six teams are all decent value plays. And I, I between St. Louis, Duquesne, and St. Bonaventure, I actually trust the Bonnies most to be able to just consistently play well throughout the weekend. St. Louis, really? I, I, just, I think Javante Perkins has to go to superhuman levels three days in a row for St. Louis to score enough to win. Duquesne's just been weirdly fluky all year. Bonaventure, I could see a scenario where, say... They win easy on Thursday, and then those next three days, Kyle Lofton just plays like a god one of those games, 
Jaron English and Dom Welsh are on fire on a different game. And then you have one where the whole offense is kind of just clicking in harmony. I just think they have more ways to win than the other teams do. That I mean, obviously we would love to see that. The thing that worries me is throughout conference play, we haven't had much production at all from our bench. Uh, our bench Schmidt's basically got us at a seven man rotation now in a year where we thought we were going to be one of the deeper teams in the league and we're not getting much production out of our bench at all. And when you have, you know, three, two, three, four games in four days, you're going to need a lot more from your bench. But I do agree. We have maybe one of the most balanced starting five in the league. Uh, We just need someone from the bench to really get hot and and contribute in a way that they haven't as much in, in the conference season. Alejandro? Alejandro? That's who I'm thinking of. Ale Alejandro. I mean, you saw it in the Toronto get in the Toronto game from him. He can do. He's done it before on a neutral court. And he and Winston are from the New York City area, so they're going to want to come into Barclays. I'm sure they've been thinking about they. They were as uh, you know in prep school or whatever. They weren't on the team yet last year, but both of them were at Barclays Center watching our run in the tournament before they were on our team. So. I'm sure they've, you know, they they've seen what it takes, and they're going to be. I, I think those two might be really ready to put on a show. Well, often no Schooner from the area too. Yeah, you're a connoisseur of A10 basketball beyond just Dayton. So, what are you looking forward to most when you uh, head up to Brooklyn? This is. I'm I'm not even doing this to suck up to the Bonnies fans. I'm already excited for Friday at two thirty. The St. Louis St. Bonaventure rematch. I. I I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Like that's not, there's no way that's going to be a 20 point blowout again. From, from your mouth to God's ears, man, because you can, you can't blame me for thinking that, you know, it might be, it might be tough to do that. I hope you're right, man. I, I, I'm still trying to keep the faith. I, I, I believe in that team. I really do. I think they're, I think they're the big dark horse this year. Ooh. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. We'll uh, we'll treat you well in Brooklyn. You're 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 one of the good Dayton fans, that's for sure. We we like we like Dayton fans. You guys have been cool. Yeah, I don't have a problem with any Dayton fans this year. Oh, we're we're just way too happy to pick fights with anyone except for the Duke fans. Thank you so much for joining us, Tyler. Where can people check you out if they haven't already? I mean, the three big league pod is pretty popular in the A10 circle. But go ahead, I'll, get, I'll give you a little plug here at the end. Yeah, on Twitter at Three Bid League Pod. Um, just check out the podcast. We'll be putting together some little episodes all throughout Championship Week, live from Brooklyn. Yeah, I'll just be I'll be out and about in Brooklyn. So if anybody if anybody sees me, feel free to come over and talk A10 basketball. Good stuff. Thank you for joining us, Tyler. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Thanks for coming on. And now the Atlantic Ten Conference presents the SP Unfurled and Friends Halftime Show.
off but we found something in the wild for our a10 extravaganza that we want to share with you a real live LaSalle fan ladies and gentlemen welcome to Dennis aka at Gipper Grove on Twitter he's got a really good following 4,000 on Twitter which I mean that's is that bigger than the capacity of Tom Gola Arena <laughs> it's close it's definitely close that's a good <laughs> first joke I like it <laughs> so i mean you're on the opposite side of the bracket from us and uh i told you off air here if there's a bonaventure LaSalle a10 final it's probably going to be because of a coronavirus outbreak so what do you think about LaSalle's chances of getting to the final on your half because i, I actually kind of like your side of the bracket oh well that makes one of you because i do not like this side of the bracket i mean when you look at the regular season we were just we absolutely got wrecked by Richmond twice um, and and saw just – I don't even – I didn't watch the Davidson game, but, I mean, the score indicates that it was very much a shellacking there as well. So um, I, I don't have high expectations. 
Uh, but I'm not on the podcast to be all negative. I'll uh, I'll let you know mm-hmm. what I think they can, uh, you know, possibly shock the Davidson Wildcats. So when obviously Ed left, that that was uh, Ed Croswell. Yeah, big Ed Croswell. He was probably uh, it was him and and I would say Beatty are the most consistent players on the offensive side of the floor. Um, when Ed left, I saw a different team against Bonaventure. And they huh. beat you guys, which was just incredible. I did not expect that. And Wonderful. yeah, yeah, that makes three of us right yeah. here. <laughs> we kind of uh, did expect it, though. We were like, we'd never play well there. That's true. If you look back on my preview that we wrote up for the game, like we lost there in 2012 when we ended up winning A10s. We lost there in 2016 during the snub. We lost there in 2018 when we got the at large. Like it's Tom Goal Arena does not sit well with us. So I guess, yeah. Yeah, I guess we weren't really too shocked by it, unfortunately. <laughs> to me, it felt like we were just trending downward and then with Ed's departure. And then we somehow, it was a total collective team effort, which I don't know if that says anything about Ed and what he has his impact on the team. But this team was like a totally different animal. And um, when I think about the team now and going into the A-10s, we're, we're very weak in the interior with Ed's departure. But I think Jared Kimbrough can can make an impact. I think as long as he doesn't, as long as he plays within himself, I think we'll be okay on the interior. That's the most concerning aspect of of this team right now going into into um, the tournament. But then I also look uh, at, at the guard play, and I think about how Saul and um, Shaggy Isaiah Dees, we call him Shaggy. Um, the the hmm. two seniors, I'm getting vibes of like role player abilities, not like. I'm the senior, like leadership abilities. I, I want to see more out of them. Um, Shaggy absolutely killed you guys in the first half, um, and and some like it's like a switch. Sometimes he's he's on, sometimes he's off. He's highly unpredictable. Um, Saul isn't is is good offensively. He 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 likes to play really good defense during throughout the whole entire game. I would say, um, but they're just both very inconsistent, and that's our senior leadership. So if we get those two to play like seniors and we get Jared, Jared Kimbrough to hold his own in the interior. I think, I think we can keep it close. By the way, I can definitely confirm that you are from Philly, by the way, you said own there a couple of times. Water <laughs> ice is basically kind of how it sounded for you there. But uh, one final thing. I mean, I don't know if we are trying to get you bitten with the podcast bug, bug here because there's no LaSalle pot or anything like that. But in general for LaSalle fans, like where, where are you guys? Where do you where, like, I found you. On Twitter, somehow, like where where are the rest of you guys? <laughs> um, so I I would say that there isn't much of us, many of us, at least on on Twitter. Um, we we play in general in, uh, in life in well, life in the think wild. Think about it. Think about it. We're in Philadelphia, uh, a major sports market. We've got the Flyers, the Sixers, you know, the Eagles. You got gritty. You got, got gritty. I love gritty. You know, it's love funny. Gritty. I I'm actually I'll reveal a little bit about me. I actually work. You're for gritty. The- no, <laughs> but uh, I, I do work for the Philadelphia Flyers, so I am a oh, Flyers nice. fan. And so seeing Dayton uh, just blow the competition out of the water, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, you know, I could become a Flyers fan in the A-10 as well as in hockey. So that's kind of unique. Uh, but in Philadelphia, it's very difficult. If you're a, Chances are, um, if you're a basketball fan, you're, you're, you're most likely following the Sixers, even if you went to LaSalle. You've, you, that, that train's left the station. I think it's the Sixers. And, and then there's a few diehard basketball fans in Philadelphia. There's, there's quite a few, I would say. Um, and and they're, they're focused on the high school game. 
um, and and then and then college. So it's like it's like a melting pot. There's really no like clear cut group of LaSalle fans. It's typically just a group of Philadelphia sports fans. And if you know the Eagles are doing well, well, I guess what I'm going to be thinking about the Eagles. If the Flyers are doing well, huh. I'm going to go there. And then oh, look at that, LaSalle's doing well this year. I'm going to follow them. So it's kind of like a hot and cold, warm and cold atmosphere there. Hey, uh, one of our one of our buddies, West on Stench, he's not on with us right now, but he was on earlier. He actually went to the Bonnie game in LaSalle. It was his first time in Tom Gola Arena. I don't know if you went uh, to that game when you guys beat us, uh, but he was there, and he told us something that made me laugh, and I want to I confirm if this is true or false because I don't know if he was being sarcastic. <laughs> but he said an, uh, an errant pass – could make its way into the men's bathroom and find the ball could actually find its way into like a urinal or a toilet. Is that true? That is very true. That is very true. There have been, <laughs> there have been times. What, so our, obviously facilities is an issue at LaSalle. We play basketball like intramurals on that court. We play pickup oh, wow. basketball on that court. Okay. So, so this, is the, this is the Richter Center, right? This is the Richter Center. Yeah. <laughs> Or Richter. Our oh. rec center basically is called the Richter Center. So that's why okay. I said that. Yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> Must be nice. Um, yeah. But I played a few times at Gola. Oh, actually, I played there a lot uh, when I was there. Um, and, and the ball has definitely bounced um, into that bathroom. And there is a handicapped <laughs> stall that's immediately to the left. And, and it could eat, if the door was open, it would be one, one bounce away from going into the <laughs> You're absolutely correct. A new way of uh, of thinking of the Splash Brothers there, right? <laughs> you could say that. All right. Yeah, we laid a turd there, by the way, uh, a couple weeks ago. But Gipper oh, yeah. Grove on Twitter. Uh, Dennis, thank you so much for joining us on SB Unfurled and Friends. Uh, you know, maybe we'll see some more LaSalle fans next year. Yeah, maybe I'll start a podcast if, if the, uh, the market grows. Yeah, get it going. Say hi to Gritty for me. <laughs> it will do. Thanks, guys. University. We are now heading to the Bay State for our next A-10 preview as part of our uh, A-10 tournament extravaganza. Curry Hicks Sage from the UMass Basketball Podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at Curry Hicks Sage. Thank you so much for joining us, Sage. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so you're on our half of the bracket, the Dayton half of the bracket, the Dayton-St. Louis part of the bracket. Um, Looks like a tough side for both of us. What do you think about your chances of uh, doing well in Brooklyn? I mean, obviously on paper, it's not very good if you define doing well as getting to a final. Um, But I think we have a reasonable shot at VCU. We just beat them recently. I think that game could go a number of ways. I think we could win. We could also lose bad. They're a scary team in the sense that they have either lost the locker room and the season's kind of over, or they're going to see this as a rebirth on on life and and play incredibly well. I think if we get through that game, I wouldn't be shocked if we played really good basketball against Dayton. I know that sounds crazy, but two things. One, I've been saying for a while that Dayton has to lose a game at some point if they want to make the Final Four. I just feel like if they go into the NCAA tournament with 20 in a row or whatever it is, it's just not great for them. And if you look at St. Joe's in 2004, they lost in the quarters of the A-10 tournament. And there's a lot of analogies there. And so I, I, and you, Matt, it's tough to beat a team three times in a season. They blew us out there. We played them really tough in Amherst. And this was despite shooting four for 20 from the three. We lost by like eight, played well. 
Trey Mitchell can hang with Obi Toppin. Matt McCall is close with Anthony Grant. They've worked together and he's had a decent history of success against him. And uh, the two guards there were both Matt McCall recruits at University of Tennessee Chattanooga, believe it or not, Crutcher and um, uh, what's the other kid, Chapman. So, you know, I, I think there's some things there where they could be a little tight and we could stick around for a while. Um, you know, obviously it's very unlikely, but after that, I think, you know, the chances that we would be anything but completely gassed if we ran into you or St. Louis, um, we don't want to play you, uh, because UMass struggles a no. lot with I, what I would describe as hyper-structured technical offenses. I would put you, Davidson, and Richmond in that camp. And so I, I would not want to see that game. I would love to see Travis Ford again, former UMass coach, um, and we beat them earlier in the year. And I think they're a little bit of a roll the balls out and play kind of team. So I'd feel more comfortable in that scenario. And then uh, if we got to the final, we'd probably lose to Richmond by 65. So if you had to sum it up pretty quickly, in terms of what's changed since we last played you guys up in Rochester, um, by the way, thanks a lot for giving Oshun a concussion that ruined our chances of beating VCU Dayton. Um, but if you had to sum it up, like what's changed since you guys played us in Rochester? It's just the continued emergence of Trey Mitchell as a completely dominant force in this league combined with better team defense. You know, other than Trey Mitchell, this team is struggles to score. And, you know, they're, they're actually their leading scorer before Mitchell became that guy was TJ Weeks, who's been out since after the 10th game. So he missed all the conference season, another freshman. And basically the difference is, we started defending, we locked in, we went, we started mixing in some zone and just changing defenses and playing harder um, is enough when you have Trey Mitchell. I mean, we've won a number of games in the sixties and even held teams into the fifties or forties while scoring like barely 60 ourselves, and a third or more of those points coming from Mitchell, who's just been completely dominant and we probably win maybe two games without him we got to eight and that includes last night's heartbreaking loss on a terrible call by one to roadie to end the season oh you so, guys got absolutely call. screwed oh man. my god but screwed. so the point is i mean basically he i don't want to overstate it but he basically got us six or seven wins i mean that you know team defense helped don't get me wrong but anybody can play hard team defense not everybody has a trey mitchell in the middle so we've kind of dubbed our games El Tweetico just because we've had a back and forth kind of a relationship on Twitter. Um, definitely was rallying behind you when you guys were in the NCAA Final Four for hockey up in Buffalo, uh, here in Buffalo uh, last year. So um, if somebody's not familiar with UMass Twitter, what's UMass Twitter like? UMass Twitter is, I think, as someone who I, I, I think has played somewhat of a role in, in its um, perpetuation. Um, oh, you're the king. I think you're the king, man. Well, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm maybe a reluctant, <laughs> I may be a reluctant king. Um, I, you know, I just sort of started the account a while back. Like I, I used to do it on my regular account. I, my friends were like, I don't care about UMass basketball. So I just started an account. And... Um, it's taken on a bit of a life of its own. Um, but <laughs> uh, UMass Twitter, I think at its best is a bunch of funny, reasonable people. And I try my best to where possible without being a total asshole to enforce, just be funny and don't be like, 
don't be a dick for no reason. It's not always going to be the case, but I think most of the people are, are, are fun. And it'll be very interesting to see when we get good again, as we are now. A lot of people are coming out of nowhere. Like I've had a lot of DMs this week from people who've been watching Trey Mitchell and seeing the ascendance and realizing we're going to be good, saying, you know, oh, I was there in 91. Like a lot of DMs from people I've never heard of. <laughs> and that's great, but it'll be interesting to see what it does to the kind of eccentric nature of uh, UMass Twitter because – as the niche product becomes mass market, uh, you know, it, it could ruin some of the uh, the the uh, quirkiness. I'm buying stock in UMass Twitter for uh, for 21 and 22. I think with Trey Mitchell, as long as he stays there, I, I, I think you guys are going to have more fun on Twitter in the next few years. You know, I, I've seen there's been a lot of disappointment, so I, I try not to get my hopes up too much. But, uh, you know, the future appears to be to be bright for sure. Yeah, I all season I've wanted to uh, to say that Bono's is the least experienced team in the A ten when people start freaking out and they get impatient um, after bad games. But we haven't been able to say that because UMass is actually less experienced. I think we're both in like the bottom fifteen in the entire country when it comes to experience. So I think the future for both teams is uh, it's definitely bright. All right, so finally we've been hearing a lot from you guys about a high speed rail in between Olean and Amherst and probably going other places. Um, what What's going to happen with this? I mean, we're finally going to get a high-speed Yeah, I mean, here. if you hear my kid crying right now, it's because he's clamoring for it. He's asking his congressman. He wants it to be a central focal point of Infrastructure Week 2020. <laughs> and look, you know, we're going to organize the right grassroots coalition, and we're going to get the Amherst to Olean Express. And I don't mean Amherst, New York. I mean Amherst, Mass. I mean, that is a critical pipeline for a future right. economy to reinvigorate the Rust Belt. <laughs> That's right. And you guys are my favorite school from a town named Amherst. Curry Hicks Sage at Curry Hicks Sage on Twitter. The UMass Basketball Podcast is where you can find him. Thanks so much for joining us, Sage. Thanks for having me, guys. See ya. Thanks, man. See ya. Okay, for our final portion of the A-10 tournament extravaganza we got for you. We have Sully from Blackburn Review and the Dayton Flyers is who he is representing. Be sure to check out their podcast. You're, you're listening to three people who have interviewed some pretty big people at ESPN between us with Adrian Wojnarowski and you had an awesome interview with SVP uh, Scott Van Pelt. <laughs> Yeah, man, I was actually uh, getting away from like my interview. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun, but I had been waiting for the day that some Bana fans or like Bana <laughs> podcasters had finally gotten in touch with Woj because like I-, I was actually curious. How did you guys get in touch with Woj? It was just like a simple email back and forth or Twitter or what? Yeah, Unfurl just like re- DM'd him on Twitter. And he's like, yeah, what time? Let's do it. And so that's what that's how it happened. He was actually at the St. Joe's game on went last Wednesday with um chris laplaca who's an behind the scenes guy but a very big wig at, at espn who's also a grad so that's right after the after the game i was i, I tweeted like oh i hope laplaca and woge shove lenardi in a locker because lenardi <laughs> did go to st joe's yeah yeah man it's funny how like the a10 has all these like prominent basketball people like in the mix um especially just between like lenardi and then woge like in in the nba circles um but it, it's crazy how we have all those types of personalities like here in this conference. And I, I love when you guys got him on because frankly, I've been tooting this horn for so many years <laughs> that I wish Dan Patrick was exactly what Woj is, you know, and I yeah. can't, 
I can't like force it down the guy's throat because now like the flyers are good. He's starting to talk about him finally, but frankly, like he's never really been all that vocal about Dayton and people have been like, why do you care? Like, why does it matter to you? And I'm like, right. it, it matters because he's a prominent media figure. He has an everyday radio show on Fox sports radio. And like he was on NBC sports till last year. Now he's on YouTube TV, but you know, all that aside, he's like a super famous media personality. And I think like 80% of the people that know Dan Patrick don't even know that he went to Dayton. So I've always wished that he was exactly what Woj is. And I'm so jealous that you guys have <laughs> such a prominent media figure who's just like, I mean, you guys heard him. He's like all Bonnie's all the time, oh, yeah. like always repping. And like, man, I just love that. I mean, he went up for a St. Joe's game. That's that's pretty ridiculous. But that kind of, <laughs> but the way the way you phrase it there with Dan Patrick, you know, you got to keep trying. You always got one goal. You're never gonna, you know, hit the finish line. So now that you got SVP, your next goal is Dan Patrick, and that kind of is a perfect segue into Dayton basketball. Just like you guys, congratulations on the 18 and 0 historic season. But the season's only basically a third of the way done. You got a tens in the NCAA tournament. So um, how you feeling about Brooklyn? I mean. It's basically, you know, if, if you guys decide to show up or or if you get coronavirus or something, that's the only way like there's the tournament's really open for the rest of us schlubs. <laughs> I would say that we are probably likely to get coronavirus on our way to the uh, A-10 tournament in Brooklyn because... Don't put that out in the universe, man. Don't, <laughs> yeah, don't, right. don't, don't, don't. All right, all right. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a hot button topic these days. Um, right. But no, I mean... What's funny, like, you know, joking aside, I don't know if the listeners know this because we talk about it all the time on our podcast because we talk about only Dayton hoops with Dayton hoops people. But Dayton has been in the conference for 25 years. Do you happen to know how many times we've won the A-10 tournament just off the top of your head? I believe it's once. It is. It's once. And it was in yeah. our it was in our own building. So it has oh, like this, it has this big asterisk next to us because it's it's 2003. And then the following year in 2000... oh, 2003. Yeah, that, that year didn't even happen, by the way. That's that for us. That year <laughs> yeah. didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. You guys, you guys didn't even compete that year. It was just like, no, a, nobody did. Like, no, yeah. college basketball didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like and then the next year in 2004, it was in our building again. And we lost to Xavier in the final who was like, oh, you know, our bitter rival in case anybody like forgot that like or he's a new listener to you know a10 or whatever so right. it's funny because when we all talk about it as Dayton fans even this year with like how good our team is how dominant we've been every Dayton fan you talk to is just like oh boy I don't know man I think we could still slip up in the a10 tournament and it's because of that it's like the historical precedence is just so great like we've always lost in the a10 tournament so I think people are <laughs> You know, we're so pumped about the dominance our team has had, but at the same time, everybody still is kind of waiting for that shoe to drop of like, are they going to blow it? How are they going to blow it? So you're right. Um, you know, the Flyers are the big favorite, but at the end of the day, uh, we've, we've really never won it without that asterisk. So, man, it's, it's, uh, I hope we win. I just hope we win. <laughs> yeah. If I were you, though, I'd rather get the loss out of the way in, in Brooklyn than at the NCAA tournament. So you guys, Dayton has had already the best season I've ever seen as an Atlantic 10 fan. What would be a disappointment? Like at, at what point? Yeah, yeah. And and obviously like losing the A-10 tournament would certainly be a, a huge failure just in the grand scheme of things, right? Um, but 
moreover, as far as the NCAA tournament, we actually had this question posed on the show that I recorded tonight, and we're talking uh, Sunday, March 8th, uh, and we recorded a, a podcast for, for this week for Dayton fans, and I asked the same question to a, a panel of guys that were all Dayton fans, were all Dayton grads and whatnot, and basically, the common thread from everybody now is that the Flyers need to make the second weekend, because if you make the second weekend... The matchup you have is completely up in the air. It's completely dependent on, you know, whatever happened in the pod that's next to you that was chosen randomly. And then, you know, from there, it's like, where are you playing? Because right now it looks like Dayton could be a one seed in the East. So just to level set with you, like, what if Dayton played a 1-4 game with, like, Villanova in Madison Square Garden? We would be outnumbered, like, 10 to 1 fan wise, right? If we played Seton Mm -hmm. Hall, same thing. So I think our message on our podcast has been very consistent in saying, hey, why don't we make sure we get through the first weekend and then everything past that is gravy because we've just been reminding people like it's a crapshoot and you you just sometimes the ball's not going to fall your way. Sometimes it's not your game. Sometimes um, you know, your leading scorer is like, you know, let's say like Obi, just like can't hit a shot or whatever. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I think my point overarching is just that the randomness of the tournament lends itself to some crazy things happening on that second weekend. So as long as the Flyers take care of their business, which is, you know, one or two seed, you get through that first weekend and then everything from there, you know, nobody can really bitch. I mean, there's going to be a heartbreaker. We're probably going to hate a school after this month, you know, that we didn't hate before. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if you get to the Sweet 16, I think this whole season was uh, was definitely like a, a great memory had. Yeah, but of course we're talking a ten tournament time because you gotta <laughs> you gotta get that out of the way first, and we're hoping that we'll play on Saturday because it, unless unless you know somebody upsets you, we're kind of really hoping for that to be honest with you. But yeah. in all likelihood, if we do make it to Saturday, we'll be playing you guys. Do you think anything could be different than our game at UD? I think that every Dayton fan is worried about playing St. Louis again. I don't think any Dayton fan is necessarily worried about playing Bonaventure. And, and I think the reasons are pretty obvious. Like Dayton dominates with Obi in the paint and with outside shooting and then lending itself to cutting to the basket. Right. And those are all things that Bona kind of struggles with is like, going out to the perimeter and then getting gashed down low. Right. And like you even saw it in the game that we played Bonaventure, like Crutcher was five for nine from three Landers was two for three. Ibby Watson was even two for five. Like they were lighting it up from three point range because they just frankly like spread the floor out. And then they got guys a lot of space just on like their shots from the perimeter. And so I just think that like Dayton's game lends itself really well to playing Bonaventure in the same breath. St. Louis's game lends itself extremely well to playing Dayton because they ugly it up. They foul you a lot. They're really physical. They pound the paint down low and they rebound really well. And, and you know, Bonaventure doesn't necessarily rebound all that well. I mean, they're a pretty average team as far as rebounding. And so those kind of conflicting styles is what I'm kind of leading to here. Is that like, I think Dayton's going to have a hell of a time beating St. Louis for the third time. 
but I just really don't see them struggling with Bonaventure. And, and it's it's just for the reasons mentioned. I mean, that first time we played you guys, we had six dudes that had an offensive rating over 115. And like, you know, oh, well, you know 100 is an o- average offensive rating. Like we were all over 115. So it just tells you like they were sharing the ball well. They were distributing really well. I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. Dayton assisted on 25 of 35 made baskets against Bonaventure. Like, it, huh. it was a boat race, man. Yeah, and that was unfortunately when we had Oshun out with a concussion. Yep. But yep, um, it was. I mean, I would much rather get one shot, one opportunity at you guys on Saturday with Oshun, hopefully staying, staying healthy. Than to see Arch Baron Cup round three. I, I that's that's me, of course. That's what I, that's what we're thinking, you know. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Um. Once again, Sully from Blackburn Review. You can go ahead and follow him on Twitter at Sully, my good name. And you know he'll be he'll be putting out plenty of good stuff for A10 content. I I know you're doing like a A10 tournament kind of not a preview, but like what do you do for the A10 tournament like beforehand? Oh yeah, I do. So like when the conference season starts, I always do like Sully's guide to the A10 season. And then same thing, like when the A-10 tournament starts, I'll do like Sully's Guide to the A-10 tournament. And you know how it goes. It's always like, does this team have a chance? No. Like, you know, is does does this team, like, can they win the tournament? And usually it's like, well, did they lose to Fordham? Okay. Well, if they lost to Fordham, they have no chance. (laughs) All right, Sully. Well, thank you for for joining us. The podcast hosted by um, what one Bonagieser on the bandwagon, which we don't speak of, called The Poor Man's Blackburn Review. (laughs) That's exactly. Exactly right, man. <laughs> All right, thanks, man. I appreciate it, brother. This is your SB Unfurled and Friends final forecast presented by Dickie's Donuts. As it goes on turning week, we kick things off with the Wednesday pillow fight. Both games will be on ESPN Plus. At 1 o'clock, we'll have 12 Mason hosting 13 St. Joe's. That game will be in the borough of Brooklyn in New York City, New York, USA, where it'll be 51 and partly cloudy at tip. Around 3.30, it'll be mayhem as 11GW is 14 Fordham. The matchup will take place in Brooklyn, New York. It'll be 52 and partly cloudy at tip to end our Wednesday games. Thursday, feature a quadruple header all on NBC Sports. The action starts at noon with 8-seed UMass hosting 9-seed VCU. That game will be played in Brooklyn, New York, where it'll be 51 and partly cloudy around 2.30. I think that'll be a UMass crowd. Yeah. Uh, 2.30, your St. Bonaventure Bonnies will be the 5-seed hosting George Mason or St. Joe's in Brooklyn, New York. It'll be 51 and partly cloudy at tip. Thursday night, it's 7-seed Davidson hosting 10-seed LaSalle at 6 o'clock. This game is being played in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, it's looking like 49 and partly cloudy. To end, oh. to end the Thursday action, we have six seed Duquesne hosting the winner of GW in Fordham at 8.30. This game Mayhem. will be played in Brooklyn, New York, where it's looking like 45 and mostly cloudy. Quarter final oh, Friday will feature another quadruple header on NBC Sports, and it all kicks off at high noon when one seed Dayton hosts the winner of UMass VCU. Brooklyn, New York will be the location of that one. The forecast is looking like 58 and a chance of rain at tip. At 2.30, we have four-seed St. Louis hosting the winner of St. Bonaventure and the winner of George Mason St. Oh, Joe's yes. in Brooklyn, New York. It'll be 61 and a chance of rain for that one. 
two seed Richmond will host the winner of Davidson LaSalle. going to make it rain. Six o'clock p.m. in Brooklyn, New York. It's looking like 60 and mostly sunny when they tip there. And finally, Friday will end with a three seed roadie taking on Duquesne or the winner of GW Fordham. That one is at 8.30 p.m. in Brooklyn, New York, where it'll be about 55 and mostly clear. Semi-final Saturday kicks off at 1 o'clock on CBS Sports. It'll be 49 and mostly sunny at tip. That will take place in Brooklyn, New York. Following that, we'll have oh, okay. a 3.30 tip in Brooklyn, New York, where it'll be 52 huh. and partly cloudy. Finally, Championship Sunday will have a 1 o'clock tip on the CBS channel. The game will be played in Brooklyn, New York. It'll be 45 and partly cloudy. Oh, wow. Not not partly sunny. Partly cloudy. That is your SPN Furl and Friends final forecast presented by Dickie's Donuts. Final forecast of the 810 season, anyways. You know, hopefully we're doing a final forecast for one of the eight cities uh, for the NCAA tournament. I think we uh, maybe will be. All those games are in Brooklyn. Yeah, I was surprised to hear that. I I mean, I thought they were just all in the Barclays Center, but I guess they were in Brooklyn too. Yeah, that makes sense. Varying weather. Uh, We'll see if it if it affects anyone, man. Yeah, we wanted to thank all the guests that we had on for the past few days. You know, we had Sully from Dayton, as you just heard. We had Rody Rampage, the Spider Scoop guys. Uh, who else? I'm trying to everyone, think of them all man. Off the top of my head. Oh man, the house that Rick built. We had Bluff Log. We had Beauty Buckets was on. Yeah, Buckets from George Mason. Grant Lebetz from Davidson. Oh, don't forget Mayhem. Yeah, Mayhem. Oh, Mayhem, dude. Mayhem was hilarious. Ryan Paleo. We had, oh, Gipper from uh, LaSalle. He was great. Dennis. And um, we had, oh, the Tyler. Tyler from the three good league guys. Oh, my God. This was just so great. Great guys. A smorgasbord of A10 personalities. It was so great, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this. Oh, no, we can't forget Curry Hicks Sage from UMass. We almost lost his interview. Finally, we're able to salvage it at the last minute. Joe Enoch from New York City Alumni Chapter of Bonas. Oh, West End Stench, he's not here anymore right now, but he, he chimed in so many good times in the Duquesne interview. Oh my god, this has been just so great. It's been a labor of love here for everybody here at SB Unfurled and Friends. I mean, the, the season's winding down. It went by so fast. We got one more push in less than a week. The, the A-10 season will be over. It's been quite a year. We've put out a ton of content and... <laughs> Like there are weeks where I'm like, oh my god, like these are it's like one game after another. I can't get all the stuff out, and now we're gonna have like six or seven months off. Yeah, man, that's why we gotta savor these moments and savor this weekend, everybody. We're both gonna be down in Brooklyn. Uh, make sure you guys get down there safely. Hopefully, we've gotten you through quite a bit of your your drives or whatever commute you're taking to get to Brooklyn. Thanks so much for joining us for this two-part special. Uh, be sure to follow us again on Twitter at Bonacommenter at SBUnfurled. We'll have more content for you, hopefully. We're talking about uh, St. Bonaventure 2020 A-10 Championship. But if not, you know, we'll be back here after the end of the A-10 tournament to give you a full recap of everything. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's do it this weekend. Go Bonnies! Oh.